I will roll around the floor and wiggle things and breathe into stuff for the day as long. I will. But voiceovers don't have the time for that. And my message is like, lads, there's not a whole pile you have to do actually to make things easier. <laughs> so that's, I, I feel the same, Gillian. I feel like I want people to know that voicing doesn't have to be effortful and that your voice doesn't have to hurt after a whole day narrating an audiobook because you fell into audiobook narration kind of by accident. And now you voice all day, but your voice sort of hurts. Like that doesn't have to happen. Um, so yeah, I feel very I feel very strongly about that because a lot of the voice training information as in technique training in voiceover land and vocal health information is a little bit out of date, a little bit anecdotal, a little bit my singing teacher told me in the 70s, mm. a little bit I learned this at drama school in the 50s. <laughs> This is A Voice, a podcast with Dr Gillian Kays and Jeremy Fisher. This is A Voice. Hello and welcome to Podcast <laughs> Series 2, Episode 2. I'm Jeremy Fisher. And I'm Gillian Kays. And we have two <laughs> guests with us today, Nicola Redman and Leah Marks from Hi. Voice Over Social. Hello. 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 Such a nice boogie there during the intro. <laughs> you two can come again already. <laughs> okay, what's in your mug? In my mug. Show us your mugs. A very high quality espresso from my espresso machine downstairs because I, as well as all the other things, run a coffee business out of an Airstream caravan and have become the most appalling coffee snob. So oh, she's the na- just a nightmare, an absolute nightmare. It's in a dreadful when, when situation. You- when we used to go to coffee shops. So antisocial. Oh I've got and my... The, can I describe your mug for a moment, Leah? Because oh, yes, that is, it's beautiful. It's a sort Isn't of yellowy it? green flowers and green, greeny it's brown 1970s flowers. murky kitsch. I, um, I love it. We, we were looking for espresso cups for such a long time. And it's the most middle class thing I've ever, ever said. But um, <laughs> I didn't have an espresso cup. I just had like a cup with a short amount of espresso in it. And now oh. I've got an espresso cup from like a fancy shop. It was my, it was my Christmas present, this. Is that a sole one or do you have the set? The set, the set, oh. darling. The set. <laughs> of course. It's very nice, actually. Really nice. Thank you very much. Okay, so Nick, so what Nick, have you what's got? in yours? I've got my very, very best China cup for you guys today. I have two that a friend gave me. The rest of them are terrible mugs, just mugs, proper hardcore mugs. This is proper <laughs> China. It's the only one my mum will drink out of when she comes nice. to visit. Nice. Um, and it's uh, gin. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's only t- eight minutes past ten. It's um, it's just builders brew, guys. It's just your classic builders brew with milk and everything. Nothing right. wrong with a builders Love brew. It. Oh, that, no. that takes me to where I am, Absolutely which is not. that's your little. Like Leah, I'm a bit of a tea snob. This is uh, a Vilroy and Bosch. In fact, it's a French oh, breakfast fabulous. coffee cup. But for me, because I like a decent brew. Uh, that's the one that I use, and I use it without the saucer because, you know, I'm just a bit down market. <laughs> so what do you do with the saucer? I don't even know what you do with it. Smash it like a Greek. Smash it. Yeah. I am officially a tea snob. I don't know how much so, you, you can <gasps> see this. Just a minute. This is obviously the Queen's tea. That's obviously. a opportunity waiting to happen. <laughs> I couldn't feel any less inadequate now. I have got to tell you that what it says... Eine typische Teemischung für die Queen. Really? A typical team well, for the Queen. Yes. Oh. Yeah, there you and go. it's Lovely. it's fabulous. I I do love I I do love a decent cup of tea. Yeah. Okay. I'm, and I'm, you? I'm mixing my metaphors today. Normally, uh, this is what I have, which is tea with a lid on it. And but why is the uh, uh, hang on? Hang. Just on. don't be carrying on. What's the lid doing there? The lid is keeping the tea warm. Obvs. You're not going to drink it, though. Yeah, yeah. How no, do you, do, how how you, keep do it you dunk a biscuit in there when there's a lid on it? <laughs> how do you dunk? Take the lid off. That's Would a lot. Want? That's too many hands. I, no. I don't have that many hands, Jeremy. No, hold, it, hold, the hold the lid biscuit. Hold the lid biscuit. Hold the lid biscuit. No, no. Take Inhibition. The lid off, Sorry. Dunk, dunk the dunk the biscuit. Eat the biscuit. You're fired. You're fired from the podcast. <laughs> okay, and the other one, and this is why I'm sort of hedging my bets today, this is Bulletproof Coffee. 
And has that also got a lid on it? This has not got a lid on it. Oh, no, right. it's just got a, a rim on it. And this is in one of these plastic beakers that is part of a um, whizzer. What do they call them? Blender a blender thing. thing. A blender thing. We, won't, we, we don't it's, have product It's part of a blender thing. So I'm not going to demonstrate it because I would. You know, you turn it upside down and you put a, a, a blade oh, on it. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I would absolutely turn it upside down and throw the coffee all over my computer. <laughs> so I'm not lying that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's... that's what's, what's, bulletproof, what's bulletproof coffee? Bulletproof coffee is... Came from... Mongolia. You know the um, Mongol tea that they serve people, which is basically yaks, butter, and coffee mixed together. Yeah, no, I do know oh. about it. You have your you have your butter um, in the coffee. Yes. My friend who washed oh, no. very quickly um, yeah. was like, "Oh yes, I just drink this special bulletproof coffee now. It's just black coffee with butter in it, um, and that's all I drink every day, all day. And somehow I'm losing loads of weight." So, um, <laughs> I don't quite know how I feel about it. To be I honest. mean, it's it's bulletproof. It's uh, black coffee, uh, butter, and there is MCT oil. That's the it. other thing. Yes, and uh, I don't particularly like the the flavour because I don't like the flavour of butter oh, particularly. Well, I'm sorry, well, I'm sorry. you don't like. I can't. You don't like butter. No. How long have you been involved in this cult? <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were going to be friends, but the little cup and now the butter, like. I'm not, sorry. How you know the whole toast scenario without butter? Who eats oh, toast no. without butter? No vegan margarine. Mm. Not that I'm vegan. This is very interesting. Right, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> We're leaving. That's it. 20-odd years ago, I was uh, doing a job in Buxton um, in the north of England. And, uh, That's how all good in, stories start. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sitting in the um, fish and chip shop. And somebody, one of, my, one of my fellow musicians, walked past and went, I thought you were macrobiotic. And I thought, what is it about me that gives out macrobiotic to somebody? I have a story. I have a story to add to that, is that um, every two or three weeks, someone assumes I'm vegetarian. Yeah. It happens, like, even just on the phone sometimes. Oh, yeah, because you're a vegetarian, aren't you, Leah? No, no, no. And once I asked somebody, like, directly, why is it? Come on, why is it that you think I'm a vegetarian? And they looked straight at me, straight at me, within the same room, directly in my face. And they said, I think it's because you've got dreads. And I was like... I, I haven't got dreads. What, what is this? What is this? And then Nick said, Nick said on the podcast once, um, she said she thought it was because I come across as a bit lentily. I think that's fair. That's <laughs> nice. Took it to heart. I did. It's a good description. I think I might adopt that. You don't want to be in that booth, there. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Nick, Nick, that's a joke. How oh, I never know. I'm so sorry. I've been spending too much time with my four-year-old who thinks Trumps are the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's perfect. No oh, voice, voice training. Voice training. Yeah, yeah. Now we've discussed the important things. Why are we here? <laughs> How do, okay, first of all, I want to talk about podcasting. You, yeah. you run like it's like the the voice podcast. Mm. How did you start, and why? And more to the point, why are you carrying on? Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. Uh -huh. Because I mean, I know loads of people. Leah won't let me leave. No, I can't, I can't do it without her. <laughs> they make three podcasts and then they go, oh, this is too difficult, and they stop. People don't realise how much work it is, and do they? You're <sighs> on to at least 57. You're probably into 60 if you count all the bonuses. Yeah, something, it must be something like that. 138 main <laughs> ones, then there's lots of bonuses in between. The, yeah. Times. Yeah, it's the, it's the voiceover social podcast. It was the first voiceover uh, podcast, voiceover specific podcast in the UK. And I mean, we think it's the best. Um, we've been nominated for a couple of awards. And, you know what I mean? It's no big deal. But uh, we really like it. Um, we started it, and Leah can say why we carry on probably, um, but we started it basically, both of us accidentally moved to Manchester from London at the same time. And we set up this social event called... Um, the VO Social, which was basically our way of trying to get a networking, like some mates in voiceover in the north, because we'd been part of a voiceover gang sort of in London. We're like, let's see if anybody will hang out with us here. Turns out they did, like we badgered people and we, we got together in a pub and we, deci we decided to do that every couple of months. And in order to advertise that and to get the message out, instead of just using 
email we thought should we do a wee well we called it a plug podcast log or something I can't remember now he's ridiculous um, whatever it was uh, yeah yeah so but it was basically us in our phones with you know I think I had a baby in my tummy and you had a baby in your arms at the time going hello it's us do you want to come and hang out with us you should come here and it was just because we thought it's a voiceover made it so we did that and then we started developing that by doing a wee, few wee vox pops from people and asking silly questions at the social. And then it became five minutes and then 10 minutes. And then Leah was like, I'd like to talk to some interesting people in voiceover. So maybe I could interview someone and we'll put that in the plug as well. And it kind of spiraled out of, out of control. Completely out of control. <laughs> from there. Yeah. And that was, that was like four and a half years ago. Must have been five because it was when I was pregnant and my son's four and a half now. I think that's really interesting because it's the need to communicate with people, the need to reach out with your colleagues. Mm -hmm. And because obviously there's something about doing voiceover. Here you both are in your booths. By yourself. It's it's very solitary. Mm. Um, And I imagine it's uh, to know how competitive the industry is. You might want to talk about that. Um, And getting people together. I yeah. think is such an important element of, of what we do. It's something that we work on very hard with mm-hmm. um, the singing voice community. Well, the reason why it's carried on, I think, there's, there's probably four or five reasons. Uh, one of them is because it has now become something more than an interview podcast. So for a while, it was me going off and recording an interview and playing clips of it to Nick and we'd talk about it. And then we'd have a panic room segment where people would send in their voice problems. And that was it. But now it's an every single episode is now based around a concept of some kind. So whether it's an audio diary of our trip up to Scotland or uh, live at the Manchester Animation Festival, where we bring together animators and voiceovers and help them to understand each other better. Or I don't know, there's been, been a bunch of different things, but we try and uh, find something and then like work it up into a 45, 60 minute um, produced programme that is like really entertaining and looks at looks at whatever the topic is from all different angles or, or might be something like um the impact of ai on our industry which ended up being spread across two episodes mm. because we had a very very worried hour and then a very upbeat <laughs> 20 25 minutes after that when people started sending in like reasons why uh, reasons to be cheerful after that but um and so so conceptually it's become something that has uh, a, a drive to it and um it's it, it can't get boring because everything is every time it's a new thing that's very interesting to voiceovers mm. um developed to quite a significant extent um it's it i i keep doing it because it i find it really like professionally fulfilling so i have all these different skills mm. um so uh, ed- voiceover editing producing writing um communicating with sponsors and and communicating with uh, um, people that I'm interviewing and all those sorts of things. And actually the podcast brings together all that stuff that I wouldn't necessarily get the opportunity to do so consistently all the time. Nick has also moved to Cumbria, which is fine. Oh, it's fine. Basically, (laughs) she's okay. It's basically fine. Um, (laughs) She's going to be okay. You're going to be okay, babes. It's fine. But this means that we talk all the time. Like we would talk anyway, but we talk like constantly about um the podcast related things and it means that I'm staying close to her and I love her so much she's so locked that's, like, me into this relationship now she it. followed me to Manchester <laughs> I didn't uh, know you followed me I got there first <laughs> oh, God, did you? I, like, I was, was literally me. born there I literally born there um <laughs> very yeah, interesting so that's another reason what you've got here it's almost like a holding place yes. for this you know, what's the word, a portfolio career, all Mm. these things that are of interest for you and you can develop them through that. And I think that's really powerful. And you have been described as consistently not boring, Mm. which certainly (laughs) from from the ones I've listened to Mm. is absolutely the case. And I mean, you know, it's not just the banter and everything. The banter is great fun as well. Um, But the content is strong. Mm. It's mm. really strong stuff, you but know. I want to talk portfolio career because mm. it's so clear that both of you have this. Yeah. Because I didn't even know I was doing a portfolio career until about two years ago. And I went, oh, that's in the last 33 years <laughs> of my life. just paying the bills. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. One of the things about, about, I mean, even the podcasting, Leah, as you said, it's like bringing skills that you've got that really you don't use that much anywhere else. And suddenly you find an arena where you have to do a whole load of stuff. That mm. I mean, certainly a whole load of stuff behind the scenes. And it's actually one of the reasons why we started is I've always wanted to do this. And we just had the time, the space, the energy, the money, the equipment, 
you know, all of that, the topics, the, the possibility. Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Lockdown, the so, time. Yeah, talk to me about portfolio. What, mm. what, I mean, what are the things that you do? Well, I'll just I'll just quickly list my other things. I know Nick has things to say about this too. So I, I as well as being um, a voiceover and an actor and the, po- the podcast producer, I read the news for BBC Radio Manchester and um, I work uh, for an audio drama production company in production. Um, so uh, administrative stuff, but also production management, uh, directing and, um, uh, performing for their work as well. Uh, I think that's probably that's probably the main that's the main list. Go on, Nick. Uh, and I am primarily now. I, I trained as an actor and worked in musical theatre a bit, <laughs> and then I uh, accidentally got into voiceover, and then got obsessed with voice, and went to Central School of Speech and Drama to, to do their MA voice practice course, uh, voice studies course. So I am now just fully fledged voice geek. So it's a portfolio career that is all based around voice. So I coach and I perform, which is amazing because I think as a coach, it's incredibly useful to still be performing and to still be using my voice every day. Um, and you don't get that a lot, you know, particularly in voiceover. Um, you get voiceover coaches who still do voiceover, but you don't get voice technique quite voice technique coaches who who still voice a lot of the time. Um, and the other thing I've added to my portfolio, I suppose, is we've the reason we moved to Cumbria is myself and my husband, who is also a portfolio, <laughs> he'll be uh, pleased to be called that, um, have moved in and sort of taken over my mum and dad's uh, guest house in Cumbria and we're developing a creative retreats business. So at the moment, it's half B&B, half... Um, our offices, <laughs> half school, of course, for our son as well. And uh, yeah, I've sold out my first two voice training retreats in March and uh, May. And, you know, we're hopefully going to do writing retreats and just a created sort of creative getaway space for people in the north. So that's the final bit in the portfolio, which is really exciting. But I think portfolios are really interesting because there's a weird sort of if you do anything, if you're an actor and you admit you do something else, people automatically assume that, oh, they mustn't be good enough as an actor to act all the time. Like people assume in coaching and voiceover, there's a huge kind of, oh, they're a coach now, are they? They've only been doing voiceover for flipping five minutes and now they're flipping coach. They're not getting enough voiceover work. So I had to fight quite hard to um, like uh, assert my place as by the way, I did a degree in coaching. Like I'm not just somebody who's decided they can tell somebody how to do something. And I had to work quite hard to to sort of um, find my place and let people know that I'm not just doing this because I'm not getting enough voiceover work. I could do both. And I like doing both. The, the, that that thing about oh they're they're not probably not good enough as an actor to be able to just be an actor then like I that's that's all I really want is to be an actor in radio drama and that's like my end goal at all points so everything else that I've done along the way but making the podcast in fact even has been sort of a, just a step along the route to at some point performing an audio drama all the time although I don't know if I'll be able to give anything else up so interesting I um, think if people don't you know if, particularly now if they're not thinking creatively with the skills that they've got. And how they can be purposed in these sort of areas that are kind of almost tangents to what they're doing, but they're not off in a complete, you know, they're not packing boxes for Amazon. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, we have to do that. And it's part of our, you know, we are creative drivers, aren't we? We're driven by creativity and invention. I think think there's something really interesting in this, which is it's almost like everything that you do, whether people realise it from the outside or not, is geared towards something specific. Mm. So you're not just sort of, with a portfolio career, you're not just casting around going, oh, I'll do a bit of this and I'll do a bit of that. There's some theory to, behind it and there's a there's a, a drive and a direction to it. I um, mean, we've had this conversation and my particular one, and this is a massive overview, is I want people to be clear. Mm. Now, I don't really care what genre that's in I don't really care what the tool is that's why I've done DVDs and books and I mean I love writing but DVDs Mm. books uh, videos podcasts you know quizzes I've done all sorts of things because it's all about are people clear about what they're doing or not Mm. yeah it's, it's it's definitely helped me make decisions along the way like I've, I've been offered work in areas that would have taken me away from my path and mm. I've turned them down on several occasions because even though they sounded like a great opportunity they, they weren't going to take me in the direction I wanted mm. and you have to make those decisions even within your portfolio though portfolio though as well because I, I got to the stage where I was really enjoying 
the the one-to-one stuff and my online community for voice training, which is the Voice and Accent Hub on Facebook and doing this podcast and doing voiceover. And it was all, but I was also teaching at drama schools and I suddenly realised, yes, that's my little bit of sensible, stable couple of days a week because I'm, you know, earning money and for my family. But actually, I need to I need to step, take the risk and step away from that and push everything else into this, into the self-employed side of it so that I can build that. So there are, although your portfolio may contain all of these things, you're right, Jeremy, it's about clarity. And I knew one of the paths as a voice coach, as you guys will know, is, you know, you get in there, you do your visit a lecture, you get a wee point contract and then you become head of voice. Great. And then you're a researcher. Great. And that's just not where I saw myself. And that's not where I saw me bringing all my other performance skills into my work as well. So that's why, like, just before the pandemic, I'd said no to about seven jobs in the north of England in drama schools because there's not many voice people up there. And I was like, no, no, thank you. No. I got to stick on this path and push the podcast and my online community and my international drive for all my online courses and all that kind of stuff. So you got to make those tough decisions sometimes. It's very interesting, isn't it? Because I did research. I mean, I did a PhD because I realised as a teacher that there were things that I was doing, but I didn't understand why I was doing them and I didn't understand why they worked. So for me, doing the PhD was to find out those things because I was curious. But I knew that I didn't want to go in and become an academic and run a department. I mean, I've had offers, but I just knew it wasn't me. I need to be, you know, reaching out to other singers and other teachers. And I need that hands on with other teachers because my driving force now is I want singing teachers to teach better. To know what they're doing. <laughs> no, Sorry for any kickback, you know, there's, you know, what's so interesting about, you know, my history, which was that I, um, one of the biggest turning points in my life was going to teach at the East 15 Acting School back in the 1980s when it was extremely wacky. And he, uh, the uh, voice teacher there was Andrew Wade. And he and I became great pals. And um, I remember him saying to me one day, well, what do you do in your lessons? You know, it's it's all voice, you know, sh- shall, I, shall I come in? So he came into my lessons and I went into his lessons and he trained at Rose Bruford College as a voice teacher. And I suddenly realised that the voice people in theatre had a process. <laughs> And, you know, in those days when we were learning our singing, you, you were in the room with the teacher and you did what the teacher told you. And it could be completely different if you were with another teacher. So there was no process. And that totally changed my attitude to um, how to work with singers. And that really set me off on that, that journey. And that culture has changed now a lot in the UK. But um, I mean, there's, yeah, there's a lot of that's niches. That's why it's a driving force for me. My other driving force is <laughs> I don't want singers to have voice problems. I had a voice problem in my late 20s, which caused me much, much angst. And uh, I don't want singers to go through that. Mm. It's mostly ignorance that causes it. And um, yeah, so that's those how are my- I feel about that's how, sorry, that's how I feel about spreading yeah the voice training message to the voiceover, voice acting, podcasting community yeah. is that nearly all a lot of my client base now are voiceovers, voice actors, that side of it. Podcasters as well now, which is brilliant because I'm into that. But a lot of them come with the problem already because they had no idea that, that voice training in, in, in any way sort of existed or how easy and accessible it was. Like a lot of the time voice training is something that's done in drama school, darling, and she's cloth on the floor with like yes. breathing in through your bottom and all this kind of stuff. And it's been just doing it. Um, I love that. (laughs) I love that, right? I will roll around the floor and wiggle things and breathe into stuff for the day as long. I will. But voiceovers don't have the time for that. And my message is like, lads, there's not a whole pile you have to do actually to make things easier. (laughs) So that's, I I feel the same, Gillian. I feel like I want people to know that voicing doesn't have to be effortful and that your voice doesn't have to hurt after a whole day narrating an audiobook because you fell into audiobook narration kind of by accident and now you voice all day but your voice sort of hurts. Like that doesn't have to happen. Mm. Um, So yeah, I feel very 
I feel very strongly about that because a lot of the voice training information, as in technique training in voiceover land and vocal health information, is a little bit out of date, a little bit anecdotal, a little bit my singing teacher told me in the 70s, mm. a little bit I learned this at drama school in the 50s. <laughs> I mean, you know what of, I mean? It's all a bit. There's a lot of niches in, 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 I mean, pretty much in every industry, but I know certainly in the music industry uh, and, the, and the singing and drama and stuff, there's, there's niches. So, you know, mm. you are this person. And then if you want to go and do something else within that music and singing and drama thing, that then you have to start again because, you know, your skills are not transferable. Is that the same in the voice community? Or do you just have a voice and then you, you go and use it everywhere? What do you think, Leah? Do you want to take that one? I forgot. I did. I? Say the question again. <laughs> I was like, he's talking about singing coaching. He's directing a question to Nick. I'm just thinking, what am I thinking about? Oh, I was thinking about when I was, I, do you know, I, what I was thinking about was when I did um, a voiceover job in a studio the other day. And on the way there, all the way there, driving all the way there, I was doing Nick's warm ups. I was doing lip <laughs> trills and, mm, and I was doing that all the way there. And at some point, um, I was stopped at a traffic light going like this with my tongue. Uh, uh, Monday, Tuesday, yeah, Monday. Yeah, 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 yeah. all the way and that's, that's what I was thinking about just then when you were asking your question so I'm very sorry please ask it again I'm sure I will have something really insightful to add I'm sure you will um okay <laughs> niches what it's almost like within an industry there are little cogs that you're on you know I'm a I'm an opera repetitor or I'm a I'm a film actor mm -hmm. and now I want to go and do kids voiceover you know audiobooks is that the same niche? Do you just transfer? Or is it like the UK? Is it like the singing industry where you do this and in order to do that, you have you, you don't belong there. There's okay. a lot of you don't belong there stuff still going on. Yeah. I think when you first get into voiceover, it's really important to work out which particular niche you want to direct yourself at because it's it's the scattergun approach doesn't work. Yeah. Um, you need to work out which, which thing you're passionate about, which thing you think that your particular skills are really suited for, and then uh, like drive yourself at that and work out who all the people are that might be able to employ you in that and uh, listen to every part of that that you possibly can and really embed yourself in it. But I think that once you're there... I think that you then have to repeat that process, but I do think it becomes easier once you're there in whatever niche you're in and you've established yourself in a certain way because there is crossover in some ways. That's what I think. Mm. Yeah, I think at the moment as well, one of the, sorry, Julianne, one of the um, important things when I'm working with new uh, new voiceovers is to remind them that ultimately, regardless of the genre or the niche, so whether it's narration, commercial, voice of God, animation, gaming, e-learning, medical stuff, whatever, it's about your voice. It's not about you sounding like the person that you think is a really nice voiceover. It's not about you trying to be Dervla Kerwin or, you know, uh, trying to be Peter Dixon or like whatever. You, you have to bring Oh God, I sound really enough. You have to bring you to it and you have to start from, you have to start from where, what you have. And then when you've established yourself with that, then you can start going, oh, actually, do you know what do all these accents as well, by the way? Uh, like I do accents very well, I coach accents, but I still work 90% of the time in my own, this voice. Like this is the voice people want from me. Even if it's gaming, even if it's animation, they still want the animation version of me or the gaming version of me. You know, like it's just me in different guises. So I think um, start knowing where you want to be, bring you to that, get confident and established like that and then start to explore. Something that we've heard that um, we interviewed um, a gaming producer for one of the episodes and one of the live episodes. Um, and what we learned from that is that people moving from animation to gaming um, have to really reassess what they're doing because uh, gaming voiceover is about acting and truth and drama and all that sort of thing. Whereas animation is about big and fast and loud and excitement and all that sort of thing. So an animation reel sent to a gaming producer will be put in the bin. Um, that, that's at the moment, like that's the trend at the moment. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's another thing, isn't it? Comes well, trends. Genre, it's different targets. Yeah, yeah for I mean, sure. I, think this is, mm -hmm. I love this. I love looking at a, at a genre and going, what are the targets that you actually need to hit here? And can you can you morph what you're doing already to hit those targets? And if you can't, don't bother. <laughs> 
or what do you need to help you? Maybe <laughs> well, go home. Have you, just go home. Have you got the time and the money and the resources and the desire. <laughs> Jeremy's like, no, nah, get in the sea. Jog on. Jog on. Yeah, there's fifty other people who are better than you. I wouldn't bother. <laughs> you're right, though. You're right. Yeah. Though sometimes it is a fool's there, and sometimes but, people come and you're like, you work really well in animation, and you work really well in in like narration and e-learning and stuff you're not going to get the in-store commercial reads that's just not for you like i get loads of certain stuff i don't get like really cool dj drops on like radio one like that's just not where my voice sits so i'm wasting my time (laughs) unless they want coming up next on st patrick's day it's radio one or whatever (laughs) i mean i sound like i'm really callous and i'm not because what you're doing and nick nick you've already said this Mm. is that you are finding where people's skills lie you're finding the center of what they do and when you found the centre of what you do, you do that, and then you can move out from it. And this, all of your coaching is about this, isn't yeah, it? In, absolutely, in the sense it's what that I do all the time. Finding out what almost that, and it sounds very kind of woo and esoteric, but finding out what that person's voice, what that person's um, performance persona is, mm-hmm. and what it is that they bring. Mm. Uh, because so much, particularly our side of the industry, if you talking about musical theatre is people put themselves in boxes. I mean, Nick, I'm sure you experienced this when you were doing your training, which is, oh, this is my this voice and I have to do this for, the, you know, for um, this kind of musical and then I have to produce this kind of sound here. So, and, and then you'd actually, you don't get the essence of the performer themselves mm. and the uniqueness of their voice. Mm. I think That's exactly. Real oh, problem musical theatre industry. Yeah, that's how I felt, and I had this weird situation where I was in two. I was in boxes that didn't stack. Is that a metaphor, right? Like yeah. my physicality and my character was like a character actor, you know, buxom wench or whatever. But my voice at the time, like, wasn't suiting that. And it turns out that probably wasn't actually my true voice. I was too young. I had no idea. How, I was trying to sing like somebody else. I wasn't trying to sing like me. And it just didn't gel. And I got to musical theatre and I ended up in all the shows in the fringe, making a wee bit of money, playing all the instruments because I'm a musician as well, like and playing the character that was like seven parts that they couldn't afford to get people for. Like mm-hmm. I was filling all the holes because I'm a character actress and I'm reasonably adaptable. Uh, but I didn't want that. I wanted to be up front singing the lead and I was never going to get that. And I just decided this isn't working for me. And it's hard, but, you know, in the sea, Nick. Um, in the sea. <laughs> get in the sea. Jog on. What are you doing? <laughs> I want to I want to ask Nick about um obviously without revealing any client sort of information about you talked Draw about off. vocal health <laughs> you talked about vocal health I mean what kind of vocal health problems do you come across with with your clients that you need to help them with you know what might they bring to the table mm. aside from actually I get vocally tired after doing um voicing for 8 hours to read a book Yeah, a lot of the time it's fatigue based and that can come from various different things. So a lot of the time it's fatigue that is the root of which is alignment issues. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you guys will know the importance of alignment, but like people who learn to speak on the microphone like this and they just they just think that's how they need to do it because that's where their mic is <laughs> um uh, i'm 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 judging my chin forward for the listeners <laughs> benefit um uh the other thing is like breath related vocal health stuff again we're linked to fatigue so there's lots of taking in loads of breath because one must use one's diaphragm ah! must use one's diaphragm right what yeah, let's have the diaphragm um, conversation. No, I'm not going to do it. I dropped the, the D-bomb. Diaphragm. I'm so sorry. That's all right. <laughs> so, yeah. Just People can't feel your diaphragm. Put it out there. Yeah. Yeah. Using, using too much breath, running out of breath, all that kind of stuff. Um, the other vocal health stuff actually that tends to come uh, is uh, can be more mental health anxiety related and then having those effects. And that can come from, and this is why I get annoyed with the stories that I hear when my clients find me and come to me because they have other voiceover coaches, voiceover as opposed to voice coaches. And they say, oh, my coach says I'm too sibilant. My coach says this. My coach says that. My coach says the other. And um, they come with a real hang up that their S is too hissy or they have a they have um, 
their accent has a particular feature that that voiceover coach doesn't understand is completely workable in that feature. And then they're they're so tense when they're voicing because they're trying really hard to get over that articulation issue or that element of nasality or whatever that happens to be that their voice is just like, I don't like this actually. I don't want to work like you want me to work. Mm-hmm. And that's a really interesting thing to deal with. So I, I do a lot of... Um, Ego management in terms of not pissing off any of the coaches, sorry, I swore, annoying any of the coaches out there uh-huh. who aren't privileged enough to have had the voice coach, the voice technique training that I have and also and, and working with those clients who will still work with that coach because they're brilliant at audiobook coaching or whatever it is mm. and say, look, you don't, sibilance is fine like it's just your voice it might be your microphone actually so so let's not think about that let's think about finding what your voice is finding comfort in that and freeing it up from that sort of situation Mm. so a lot of it is psychological as well and I guess it must also be I'm I'm thinking about how I feel you know if if I do something and maybe I'll demonstrate it and then we're going to put that out then I'm nitpicking everything that I hear you know is that okay dare I put that out and in the voiceover community it's you know it is all about the audio so you're going to be quite obsessive about that aren't Mm -hmm. you and the interesting thing about audio I always say this even when it comes to accents is opinion on what you hear is is in the ear of the listener. It's nothing to do with you. What is sibilant to me will not be sibilant to somebody else. Yeah. What is too northern, <laughs> can't even say that, um, is not too northern to somebody else, you know. And um, I think it's always important to remember that you can only do the best that you have and hope that the listener receives it with, you know, generosity and curiosity and inclusivity and all that kind of buzzword yeah. stuff. Yeah. You said something lovely. What the hell it? is too northern when well, it's yeah, at home? Yeah. There's no such thing. You said something really nice which really resonated with me in the episode which was um, it's like behind the scenes, the thoughts of a vocal coach. Mm. And you said, I don't get annoyed with the clients. I get annoyed with the bad information being passed on. Mm. And I went, that resonates so much with me <laughs> yeah. because there is so much bad information being passed on as, as folklore. And I don't get annoyed with the people. I get annoyed with the information. It's important. Because the the information is given in all goodwill. Yes. Like, Leah, you'll have seen it as well, because people often tag me in now, which is nice. Um, They're like, just ask Nick this. Yeah, yeah. Um, Because I am like... You know what it's like. I'm, I'm like still doing every course I possibly can. Like it annoys well, everybody in my life that I'm like, sorry, I'm doing a course today. I can't, I can't, I can't do that. Leah's like, can we record? I'm like, no, I'm doing no. another course. She's like, for God's sake, because <laughs> you want it, you need to stay up to date, don't you? Because you do. You get that kind of um, uh, like folklore passed from teacher to teacher to teacher to teacher to student to student to student, and and someone will say, ah, my voice gets uh, by the end of the day, my voice gets croaky. Help. And you just and then get there's like, 10 comments underneath going, oh, what you need is give up coffee. Don't drink alcohol. It must be this. It must be that. Um, you've diaphragm. got reflux. Yeah. It's your diaphragm. You need to use your diaphragm. Take this medication for reflux. Take this. Stop taking this. Do mm-hmm. that. And I'm like, yeah, oh, so like and I've just in because I'm I'm doing a. a I'm, I'm just going to say it later. I'm doing another podcast. I fully support I'm, you. I'm, I know it's good. We have these jokes. Um, these uh, jokes. Like, every little jokes. <laughs> um, I'm doing my own podcast, the Voice Coach podcast, and it's about like getting the right information to my audience, basically. Mm. And I've just done like three on vocal health, um, trying to just make sure all of the right information is out there. Cause, you know, but then in the internet, who am I? Like, mm. in a stream of 40 people, I'm just another of those people. Mm. And yeah, my response might not be a cut and paste, like, monologue (laughs) that I keep having to put out there but like they don't know me from the person there who may have a more interesting profile picture than me (laughs) or may look like they have better political allegiances than me and they may agree with that person instead and we can't discount confirmation bias which is you know believing the thing that you want to believe to fix your problem Mm -hmm. So confirmation bias yeah. is really hard to deal mm, with because mm. essentially whatever you say is not really going to be taken in no. until that person decides that they're open to new information. Yeah, I've definitely suffered from that one. <laughs> oh, we all do we it. All have. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what this feels like? I can see you've got some text. No, 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 oh, no, no. What no. I want to know, I want to ask both of you because I've got an idea. Mm. Um, 
How do you know when you've nailed a character? Ah, yeah. Ooh, Leah, I was you thinking this about one. this. Yeah, like, um, so as an example, uh, for one of our sponsors, we developed a witch character and um, it took quite a lot of time just that trying out different kinds of witchy voices until I got to the point where I was definitely happy with how much energy I was putting into it and um, all of all of that, like all the tone. And it was just a matter of listening listening back until I felt like I had something that I could do consistently and like I had the physicality right around it and it was all sort of set even although having said that um it, it, we played them all one after the other sort of in the uh, how to get a sponsor for your podcast without selling your soul episode and mm. uh, when I was listening back I realized um this is the most this I'm about to say the most Leah thing it's possible to say by the way Nick um I realized that in the second episode about the first six or seven <laughs> words the tone of the witch character was a little too deep and it was notably different to the rest <laughs> which so, syllable I, was that Leah which syllable <laughs> That <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't do anything about it and I knew I couldn't do anything about it and I had to just because I didn't have the, the the bed underneath it to to re to re-edit so I couldn't but um but yeah She's so, fired. so even fired. <laughs> even when I think I've got it right still sometimes I get it wrong there's things that things that sort of slip past but that's that's how but it I is. think yeah also with voiceover you've also sort of got to remember that the client has an opinion on whether you've got the character right too, which in mm. a way can take the responsibility off your shoulders. Like mm. if you're doing an audition for something that's more character led than narration or commercial, which character led in a different way, um, then you send off a couple of options and they either get in touch with you or they don't. <laughs> or they get in touch and say, that's really interesting. Can we work on that? But can you bring a bit more of this out or whatever? So you're not just in it on your own even if it's remote recorded and you know you're not in a studio with people usually there's some element of collaboration like I'm sure when you were working on that with um, the sponsor it was like they will have said yeah that's great like we love that yeah, yeah, and then you go oh okay that's fine great. good yeah. <laughs> yes yeah so those reasons. I think in, in a way this is all about what's appropriate or what works or what has the right energy or or anything like that because it is the same in a song or in a role which is, does what you're doing do the job? Mm. And that requires you to analyse what the job is. Mm. It's mm. like, I mean, it was such an interesting conversation in that particular podcast that you did, where you were talking about the process of finding that character, and it was the idea that she was going to hate everything about your particular sponsor's trick, mm. your particular sponsor's thing. Mm. Um, and that was, it was turning everything on its head. And then obviously, I, mean, I won't spoil it, but there's a whole through story I was so pleased with myself. Oh my goodness! It's very, very good. <laughs> it's so clever. And there was there was a whole issue where we didn't know um, where the the sponsor one of the sponsor one of the sponsor team wanted uh, to change a line, and they was like, I can't change the line. I can't change the line. I can't change it because we've got like this whole like arc coming. It's all going to finish in this great big amazing. Um, Finale, but uh, anyway, yeah. Oh, you just reminded me of the Harry Potter story with, um, uh, oh, sorry, who was the baddie? It's just literally just Alan Rickman. The other one. The Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman. Oh. It's the Alan Rickman character okay. because um, um, he was told very early on in the filming process what his story arc or some yes, element of what his story arc was going to be and no one else knew it he yeah because he was going to leave he was going to walk he was like i'm bored or oh, i can't do an hour i'm bored and um and, uh, and <laughs> that was good <laughs> thank you um and then they said no no stay because yeah there's a thing and it was really interesting because then when the director said i want you to play this line in this particular way he said i can't Right. I know what the story is mm. and I can't play it like that because it will go against what's going to happen in film five. And the, the, the viewers will be like, that. They, they'll realise it didn't make any sense when they, yes. when they watch back. And I think this yes. is so good is that when your listener or when your viewer, if what you're doing makes sense to them, then they accept it, whatever it is, mm. they accept it. It's why I love it when people really, if you like, go off the rails and they do a performance that is n absolutely not what you're expecting mm -hmm. from that particular character, mm -hmm. but because they do it with such conviction and it works in their world, it really makes it work. And you go, okay, I'll accept that. 
The thing that I always say like to people and try to get people to focus on is like, it's not about how your voice sounds. It's not about what you're doing. It's about the listener. Mm -hmm. And as long as what you are doing communicates as a voiceover, that might be the message of that commercial. It might be the the e-learning step-by-step guide that you have to go. As long as you're focusing on communicating that message, you can be as sibilant or as northern or as vocal fry-y or as nasal as you like, because people won't care because they're they're hearing the message yes. your job is to communicate doesn't matter what you sound like yes mm, totally agree yeah unless you have some weird habits mm. <laughs> in which case change that's, that's your business <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean weird habits <laughs> where should we go next i want to go to legacy we had a conversation <laughs> in the previous this is quite a big one we had a conversation in the previous um podcast which uh as the point of recording this hasn't gone out yet, so you don't know what we said. Um, <laughs> we were talking about mugs, and uh, Gillian said she wanted her particular mug to go into her coffin with her, oh. <laughs> which was quite a facer for me because I didn't know that. The mug is already... It's important to make these arrangements. It's, all, it's already 36 years old. Um, it's going to outlive this world. me. You know, it's going to outlive me easily. And that sort of led us to legacy. What... Mm. what do you want people to remember? And we were talking about it, often it's not what you've done, it's how you've made people feel. I was just going to say that. Yeah. Where does that come from? I don't know where, I don't know who thing. first said it, but mm. it really, I was like, yeah. Because I, I just, I, I absolutely think that. I, I think about it quite a lot, actually, mm. that um, people will never remember what you said to them or what you did or anything. They'll just remember how you made them feel. And so mm. I want people to come, come away from an experience with me or like a lifetime with me feeling like that they've, they've, been, they've been lifted up. And um, they've had a nice time and they felt good about themselves and they've just generally enjoyed the feeling of being near me. That's what I want. Nice. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. What about you, Nick? Uh, I can't say what's it, that so my legacy is probably what's it. <laughs> no? <laughs> I don't know. We understand. I, I think, well, I think probably... I'm trying to think if like professional legacy versus personal legacy or whether there's like a crossover there. I think professional legacy, I want people to feel like empowered and informed. Mm. You know, I want them to know that if they've come into contact with me in a professional way, I've, I've, I've offered something that makes them feel like they can do their job a little bit better or a little bit more easily. Um, and I think my main legacy is probably got to be laughter. Like I just want people to have had a nice time <laughs> yeah. and had a bit of crack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love that. Yeah. Comedy comes into my world a huge amount. I'm married to a comedian. I used to be one. And I find it very, very difficult to not crack jokes, even when it's really inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of the reasons why the podcast has been so successful is because of that. Because I'll do, I, we talk about this quite a bit, I mean, but like I'll do the sort of, um, the, 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 the building and the bringing things together and the editing and the structure and the blah, 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 all this sort of little donkey Hard work. stuff. The, all the very, very important, <laughs> difficult things. But then Nick comes in with her like funny and her sparkle and she just makes it worth listening to. Like I'd have, I'd have the bulk there, but then she, she just makes it great. She makes it great and fun and wonderful. And also yeah. she has the knowledge, which the whole thing is kind of built around as a core of Nick's knowledge. Of course. Yeah. Mm. I love that. Um, I actually think we should probably stop there. This sounds like a conversation we could go on forever. I think it's good. What What would you like anyone who's listening to this podcast to know about you, stuff that's coming up in the future, yep. any merch that you've got? Yes. You uh, <laughs> let me just have a drink from my Vio Social water bottle. And we were saying earlier, weren't we, that these... Mm-hmm. Uh, such good quality water bottles that when we sell them on our shop on the vosocial.com website shop um, we don't make any money out of it <laughs> we're literally <laughs> just trying to make the money back that's all we're doing what's special about them what are they made of they're double walled um, steel insulated um, uh-huh. water bottles Ooh, and nice. so you can put um, hot drinks cold drinks mm. and like. they do come with a leaflet on the inside so don't do don't what drink both of us leaflet. did which was <laughs> not realise and drink for about a week with a leaflet I put, I put it through the dishwasher <laughs> with the leaflet in it <laughs> didn't even know I was basically <laughs> drinking papier-mâché at one point <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And so of course, not, listen, listen, listen to if you're interested. Ring. in... Vo- hang on, hang on, stop, stop that again. Stop. Stop. You go, Nick. 
I was just going to say, you can obviously listen to the voiceover social if you're interested in voiceover. And if you're interested in spoken voice technique training, little short and sweet nuggets with me, then the Voice Coach podcast is out first week of February. Hmm. Excellent. Okay. Um, it's been a joy. Let's do it again. Wait. Uh, Wait. Oh, go on. Someone told me that you did a voiceover job recently, Jeremy. And I think it's about time we heard about it. Yeah, come on. (laughs) I've done several. We were talking about niches. I discovered myself into a niche, Mm -hmm. which I had no idea about. I'm doing really technical finance. Oh, yes. I love them. Love that. I've not done finance, but I've done medical and construction. And the longer the word, the more fun I'm having with it. Yeah. (laughs) Love that. And and I've also been coaching people to do them as well. Um, There's a a bank in Switzerland that I'm coaching the the podcast people for that. And then I I started doing um, uh, investing finance voiceovers it was really fascinating this came randomly during the first lockdown people started contacting him maybe because of our this is a voice book Mm. maybe because of the app we didn't Mm. we don't know why and they were all from this sort of finance world and they were having to deliver in english and some of them weren't um, native english speakers um and some of them just couldn't yeah. couldn't get the right feel for what what the the clients required. Yes, and that was really fascinating. So yeah, I've been doing, and I love it. And you've got such a great ear. Really I think that's, complicated yeah. sentences, mm. like fifteen sub clauses to get to, the end. <laughs> and we're going, mm. and we can't rewrite the script because the script is basically a. It's like a. It's the. The version, it's the spoken version of the written magazine. Right. So yeah. they really want it word for word. And I'm going Speaking just... stuff that's been written to be read mm. is really hard it, rather than speaking something that's been written to be spoken. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's, def- it's an extra challenge. He ended up changing the script quite often, asking if the script could be changed <laughs> oh, because that, it didn't read well. That was the finance guy. Mm. Um, but with the bank guy, you no, could nothing. You really couldn't change anything. Well, that's the challenge as a voice. Well, congratulations. Yeah, well done. You found your niche. Great. Uh, and and the thing that I absolutely won't be doing is is uh, oh, and of course I read my own audio audiobook. Mm. Why do you need Yay. a book? Oh great. Lovely. Um it was like, well, if I'm gonna write it, I might as well read it. Mm. Of course. Yeah. So uh, which is why I built the booth behind me. Mm. So uh, that was fun. And there's a whole and a lot of swearing. A whole learning curve, <laughs> whole learning curve about oh. the production side of things, which I'm sure you are, you know, far more on top of than than we are. But Do you um, mean sort of the editing of an audiobook? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a drag, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean the editing I sort of enjoy because I, I quite like vis I actually visually edit. Mm. Um, you know, I'll just check the sound, but I'll just look for sound waves because that's the way I work. And uh, but the whole business of the um, once you've done all the cutting, it's everything else after that. The file names. Yes. Yes. Oh God, the file names completely. Yeah, <clears throat> and and also the whole business of rendering and quality and filters and mm. all of that. Plus, I can't run water in the house when <laughs> there's no going to the toilet. No. I can't flush the loo. No. <laughs> No, because the the pipe is next door to my booth and you can hear the water going. (laughs) I've been screaming down the house. Do not flush the toilet. Don't flush the toilet. Stop putting the toast in the toaster. Stop looking about and breathing. (laughs) (laughs) Julianne comes. It's all right. I've been now. You can do your voice over. And you forget. I mean, I'm sure you have this with your other halves if, if, if you have this problem in your house, but you forget. Well, I was just washing my hands. <laughs> yeah. Well, I told Toby to stop my kid and my five-year-old. I told him to stop jumping off the sofa onto the floor. And so he stopped. And then instead, I was like, well, I could hear some noise. And he, I was like, what's going on? And he was running up and down the stairs instead. I'm not jumping, mum. <laughs> running up and down, up and down. Yeah. Kids are such a nuisance. Yeah. <laughs> Good. We are done. Yeah. Thank Yay. you so Aww. much for being here. Um, and uh, and all, thank every- you for being our first guests of 2021 very exciting indeed yes so um everything that you've mentioned will be in the show notes so all the links will be there podcast will be there podcasts will be there so anything else that you want just uh, drop me an email we will put it in the show notes thank you um, just thank you very much and we'll see you soon thanks bye guys
This is A Voice, a podcast with Dr. Gillian Kayes and Jeremy Fisher. 